We're back. We're back. Welcome to episode 25. Where we're staying alive. Staying alive. Staying alive. Staying alive. Staying alive. Staying alive. Ooh. Do, 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 do. Okay, break it down. And here we go. <laughs> that was that's, candid. That's what you get. There you go. That's what you get. Episode 25. Let's do this. You're listening to Midwest Vegan Radio. We're sharing all our secrets. <laughs> We're sharing all of our secrets just for you special listeners. With your hosts, Dallas. That sounds so good. And Ryan. Pass the news. Are you going to start us off, Ryan? Um, Okay. <laughs> I was waiting for you to start talking so I could interrupt you. Oh, is that is that our new thing? I think that's the new format. Okay, well, are I'm you Ryan. ready to... Thanks. <laughs> I'm Dallas. Elliot's over there. Hello. Snoring's in the house. Hi. In Zubas. Yep. Hungover. Yep. And we also have a super special guest, Chelsea. Hello, everyone. Do you want to explain, Dallas, why Chelsea's here? Yeah, I'd love to. So, uh, Midwest Vegan Radio... Donated, mm-hmm. I suppose is the word. That's the word. Donated a spot on our show to Earth Save Twin Cities and the Animal Rights Coalition to auction off in their silent auction for their Turkey Free Thanksgiving, annual Turkey Free Thanksgiving thing that happens in Minneapolis. And Chelsea was our lucky winner. Yay! Woo-hoo. So, yeah, she supported um, Earth Save Twin Cities and the Animal Rights Coalition, which is awesome. And if anybody out there in the world... Um, you know, that, that's a possibility if you have cool groups that are doing silent auctions and you think winning a spot on our show would be a fun thing to put in your silent auction, contact us. Mm-hmm. And if we like you, we'll say yes. <laughs> but if we don't like what you're doing, we'll politely decline. <sighs> Honestly, you okay. know. All right. We're abolitionists. That's true. So people ought to know. But Yeah, we're not going to give away a... A spot in a like if it's if it's to support a zoo, we're not gonna. No. Right. Fuck that. <clears throat> so um, yeah, if you think you're doing something cool enough to warrant our approval, let us know. Right. Because <laughs> no one is as cool as us. There comes the judgmental vegan, coming out. So, side note about Chelsea, we've known each other for many many. Ch- Moons. One, two, three, four. Mm-hmm. Long enough ten? to count. Nine no. or ten years? Yeah. Nine or ten years? Eight or nine, maybe. Mm-hmm. Long, long time. Pre-vegan. Okay. So, so I've known Chelsea for a bajillion years, and so it's awesome that we have sort of been taking this journey together. When I went vegan, she went vegetarian, and shortly after we went vegan. Yeah, and buddy. so we've been able to be there for each other during this process. You've been very helpful as a resource. I appreciate that. You're welcome. And you have been an excellent vegan friend. I'm glad. (laughs) So, Chelsea, what do you want to talk about? You get to talk about whatever you want because you won. Yay! Well, probably not whatever I want. Should probably be related to veganism or animal rights or something, right? Well, what did you, what might you want to talk about that wouldn't be related to those things? I don't, think, I don't think we should get into that today. Do you have any weird questions for us? Hmm. Dallas is Truth or dare? No, uh, no, I'm not doing that. I, I think no. we should maybe <laughs> just talk about uh, maybe zoos or something like that. Okay. Zoos, 
I Maybe we can wrap it up about... with truth or dare. Oh. That'd be cool. Maybe just truth, <laughs> so we can just stay sitting. Okay. Yeah, the dare wouldn't be as interesting for our listeners, probably. No. Well, I'm happy to talk about zoos. I'm for it. So, because actually it's one of my... It's one of the issues that I think doesn't get nearly enough attention. And, I don't know. I I had wanted, when, when I was training to be a humane educator, way back in the day when I thought I might want to be a humane educator, um, zoos, like animals and entertainment, was one of the topics that we could go into classrooms and talk to kids about. And there were very few resources to talk to kids about zoos. And I was, I was surprised about that. Um, so I actually created... A video like went to a zoo and created a video not undercover it was just going there um, and filming what was what anybody would see when they went to a zoo to to um, see like hey just on any average given average day you can walk into a zoo and you can see animals who have been driven mad mm-hmm. and you know driven absolutely insane by being confined wild animals who are kept in captivity um, and so that's that was really something it was very it was heartbreaking to be at a zoo and you know watch a polar bear pacing Mm -hmm. back and forth so many times that footprints had been you know worn through inches of ice because the bear had stepped in the exact same spot thousands and thousands and thousands of times and you know watch and see her like twitch her head and have the same facial tics repetitively. That's, and I have do that, that memory of going to the zoo. And everyone stands there like the polar bear is, is performing for them or doing something right. for them. Yeah. Do you think, I mean, do you remember that from going to the zoo as a kid? You know, yeah, kind of. And I just, I never really know what to say when people say, well, there's nothing wrong with the zoo. Why are you so against, you know, why don't you want to go to the zoo? It's good. People see it as this good, wholesome thing to do with your family. Well, like good family fun to learn about animals. How will they learn about animals? They're saving me, you know, that kind well, of thing. And I, I'm happy to address each and every one of those things. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> but, um, but I mean, it's just, it, it strikes me as similar to like, hey, let's go take a tour of a mental institution and watch people bang their heads against the wall, you know? <laughs> yeah. Or let's go ahead and, you know, watch somebody who is so tormented pull out their own hair, you know, yeah. or, you know, do any kind of, any kind of self-destruct, you know, rock back and forth and cling to themselves. Like that's the, the animals, they're called stereotypic behaviors is what the clinical term for it is. But basically what it means is the same thing for, that happens with human beings is that in order to cope with so this degree of anxiety and stress, they kind of retreat into themselves and do these repetitive motions that are really heartbreaking if you can actually see them for what they are. Mm-hmm. But it's amazing to me that so many people, and it's just like meat, I suppose. I mean, so many people do we see, we see a fur, you know, fur trim or a leather jacket or a piece of steak. And we just don't even see the animal behind, you know, the actual animal that that is. I don't know what other people see, but they see something mm-hmm. that isn't what's really happening. So, um, but okay, so what if you think about how small the polar bear cages is? Cages are? Yeah. And a polar bear has like the entire ocean mm-hmm. and lots of room. Yeah. Generally. And the cages, I mean, their cage isn't even as big as my apartment. Nope. For a bear that's how many thousands of pounds? Mm hmm. I can't even imagine. And meant to live. 
you know, where they migrate mm -hmm. thousands upon thousands of miles. Um, so, I mean, I guess... How is that their natural habitat? There, It's not. Um, and one of the things that I think is an amazing book, it's not our product review, but I want to mention it, is there's a book called um, Thought to Exist in the Wild, Awakening from the Nightmare of Zoos, and it's by Derek Jensen. And um, he partnered with a photographer who took photos of animals in, you know, wild animals in captivity. And I loved in his book, he, every time he wrote about habitat in terms of the, the zoo creating an artificial habitat, he capitalized habitat and he put a TM after oh, it. Oh, nice. Which I thought was so amazing, you know, and like enrichment with a capital E, you know, yeah. like I'm going to, I'm going to throw a tire in this quote unquote habitat Right. Or enrichment. Like, enrichment. what if your life was so barren that a tire in your space was enough to provide some sort of stimulation? Like, how barren would your life have to be? Is that be? what they call it? Enrichment? Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Um, and because these primates are whomever's habitat, their habitat TM, <laughs> these tires are going into... Uh, tires a natural part of their normal environment. Right, exactly. There's normally tires hanging from trees. Yeah. For them Maybe. to play in. Well, I mean, there are sanctuaries. You know, there are sanctuaries for chimps who have been, you know, liberated from laboratories, mm -hmm. and they have you know tire swings and that can't be re-released. That, that cannot be released into the wild. Re-released. You know, yeah. I always do that too, but yeah. Um, I suppose they were released once out of the yeah lab. Okay. But. You know, you think about like the, I mean, I just, I look at zoos as prisons, you know, I mean like parole without life. I mean, or no, <laughs> a sentence without what? Parole. A life life without parole. Life without parole. Thank you. <laughs> I totally screwed but that But kind up. of the same thing. You're on parole and you have no life. Right? Because they don't really have a life being in a... Well, yeah, but they're also imprisoned. Right. So anyway. So I guess they're not on parole. No, they're no. not on But parole. they're kind of in parole in that they're not in a cage necessarily with no enrichment tm <laughs> they're in a paroled habitat tm, in habitat TM. <laughs> i was just trying to help you out i i'm i think you did but i now i'm lost that okay oh so you think about an individual who had human beings not intervened you know and taken them bred them for the purpose of keeping them on display at all times, which in and of itself is highly stressful. I just imagine if you had, I mean, just any one of us, like, didn't get to choose when we were seen by others and when we weren't, like, had no cool. privacy, mm -hmm. you know, or couldn't choose when we did. I mean, obviously, zoos are closed for some period, but simply the act of being on display, and a lot of these, especially for prey animals, having sets of eyes on mm -hmm. you all day long that's incredibly stressful well, think of the overstimulation too like all the children and all the noise and just mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. artificial stuff yeah it's and nowhere really to hide mm -mm. no well yeah i mean some i think some in the places, wolf one at the minnesota zoo yeah there there are some zoos i mean there's variations in terms of the quote-unquote considerations that they give to the animals um but i mean because it used to be like you know, you know, these zoos that just, they were literally like concrete cages with bars, mm -hmm. just, you know, that's it. And, um, some people recognized that as cruel, 
but then they just essentially made the cages more pretty. You know, like, oh, we're going to put some fake foliage in there and a rock. You know, <laughs> like, we're going to try to... And that made... And I think that that made, just like humane meat, it made consumers feel better about continuing with this practice because it appears to be better. Um, but really, it's, it's not really better. Um, so... Okay, so there's that. Like, they talk of, zoos will often say, oh, the animals don't have to worry about anything. They have their food provided for them. And they, you know, they know that they have a, they're safe. You know, like, they have shelter and they have food. But a lot of these animals, you know, foraging and hunting and the things that they do, I mean, that's a huge part of their life. Mm -hmm. And if you don't, if you can't ever express your natural instincts yeah. to hunt or discover, you know, gather, whatever, that's, I don't know, that's a really cruel thing to rob somebody of, I think. Um, also, animals in zoos, they don't get to choose. I mean, well, breeding in captivity is a huge issue. Lots of times zoos will talk about how, you know, species wouldn't even exist if they weren't in zoos and exactly. there were these breeding programs and so on. But lots of times, you know, animals die prematurely and they don't, they don't um, reproduce easily. I mean, lots of times, like, what if you were just, you know, never really didn't get to see any others of your species very often. And then suddenly like they just dropped some dude in there and expected you to have sex and have babies together. No like somebody marriage. you didn't know or <laughs> choose. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't, I don't know. I can't imagine being really enthusiastic about that. Um, so in any, I mean, just, the idea that there is no agent, like no free agency for these individuals, I think, yeah. is a, I mean, it's so obvious, but nobody sees it because it's just taken for granted that that's the way it is. And the sad thing to me, I know I'm going on and on, so interrupt me if you need to. I, <laughs> the sad thing to me, too, is that when I was a kid, I loved animals. So I loved mm -hmm. to go to the zoo because I didn't know any better. And so, you know, especially for these quote unquote animal lovers who have yeah. zoo memberships, um, that's especially frustrating to me because I don't know, it's just, it's just so misguided and the zoos really manipulate and take advantage of people who are, tr you know, people who otherwise, w you know, who really are, would like to believe that they're doing the right thing. Why don't you, somebody else say something? Cause I've just been talking forever. I would like to, um... This is special for Snoreen. I would like to reference a Mitch Hedberg quote. Poor dead Mitch. <laughs> she looked up like, what? That's related to zoos in a sort of way. Let's hear it. The Mitch oh. quote being, hey, here comes that frog. All right. Maybe we'll set, he'll settle near me so I can pet him and stick him in a mayonnaise jar with a stick and a leaf to recreate <laughs> what he's used to. <laughs> Uh-huh. 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 Yeah. Totally. That was bizarre, but... Yep, I, that's I, totally it. Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, on the subject of, like, conservation, which zoos love to represent, you know, try to claim that they're conservation, you know, like, they're they're working to conserve species and yeah, preserve species. Yeah, that's exactly and the thing. They'd be extinct if, if the zoos didn't, right? You know what, zoos, like, real conservation groups protect real habitat mm -hmm. <laughs> like they don't 
I don't know. I mean, just how, why are these animals in peril to begin with? Why aren't they going mm-hmm. after the root cause? Like, because everyone wants grazing? to see a giraffe in Minnesota. A giraffe lick the walls mm-hmm. because they're used to eating leaves from way up high, and now they have to eat out of a bucket at our at our height. Right. You know, that's that was really sad. I was doing the filming the giraffes and just watching them lick the walls for eternity. Um, like. I don't know. It's just the most bizarre thing. And so unnecessary. I mean, it's just pure perverted pleasure on our part. That, I don't know. It's just very bizarre to me. But anyway, well, I think so that... real conservation groups don't, you know, take individuals away from their homes, you know. Like... But is that different than um, a sanctuary? Because in sanctuaries... The animals are, they're not on display, but people can interact with them if you want to visit a sanctuary. In some circumstances, farmed animal sanctuaries. Farmed animals, but those are also domesticated animals. They're not wild. Okay. So I think in in that sense, we're looking at how many generations away from the wild we are. And um, wild animals, who they're not interested in interacting with people for mm-hmm. the most part. I mean, there are exceptions. Um but, like, we have the Wildcat Sanctuary here in Minnesota, and um, they are not on display. And I, I was lucky enough to be able to take a tour there. But, um, you know, and they, they do the very best they can, but the reason that it's, they're so restrictive about who gets to go in there is because it stresses the animals out to have all these people around. Right. Because anim- for lots of animals who are predators, human beings are their only, are their, you know, the predator's only predator. Mm-hmm. So we're really, we freak them out. And a lot of the, the animals who have been, who have made it to these sanctuaries, you know, they've come out of horrifically abusive situations where there were human beings who were treating them, you know, abusing them or, right. you know, treating them horribly. So they don't have any. They don't have good know. associations. Yeah, they don't people. have good associations. Yeah, so. But a sanctuary is a good alternative if you actually want to go see and you can even interact with the animals mm-hmm. there you can snuggle them and be kind to them yeah farm you know, yeah in, in general maybe in general yeah you're not going to be able animal. to go to the wildcat sanctuary and get cozy right. with a lion it's probably for the best <laughs> but, but you could if you want to teach your children about animals especially animals that we treat i mean farmed animals different than zoo animals because yeah. we're not necessarily coming across Animals in zoos, just in general. But farmed animals, you can teach them a lot about. This is why we don't eat pigs, because yeah. they're... Yeah, and that's that's kind of my reason for wanting to talk about it. You know, I have a little boy, and when he gets a little bit bigger, you know, he's, he's not going to eat them, you know, and he's going to want to learn about them. He's going to love them. So, as is probably his natural tendency, like most children. So, how do I teach him about them? You know, I'm not going to bring him to the zoo, and people are going to kind of pick on that, but fine, whatever. So do you feel like you've already you already know how you're going to handle that situation when it comes up in school or if you if family members want to take him? Yeah, you know, it's kind of learning as I go. I mean, he's only 9 months now, so I, you know, I kind of have some time to think through how I'm going to handle those kind of things, but yeah. Well, I think it has to do with what kind of values you're wanting to instill in him. I mean, 
what is he going to learn at a zoo? Is he, you know, what he'll learn is about what psychotic, you know, what psychotic animals do and what they look like and how they behave. And Harold, he'll also learn that it's okay to take away the agency of another individual. Yeah, no, hopefully he wouldn't even want to go. Right, yeah. I mean, you know? and you can explain that ahead of yeah. time, you know, why that, why we don't, why animals don't belong in cages. Um, but, you know, in terms of, you're talking about um, how to teach kids about animals or people about animals. I think it's really interesting. Like, we, as a culture, I don't think that we really want to know about animals. <laughs> Mm -hmm. You know, like as a culture, for the most part, doing true. a lot of outreach and trying to get people to actually consider who people animals sure the hell are. don't want to know what's going on. Yeah. Who are these? Who are animals? Like, nobody wants to know that. I mean, they, they don't have any value unless they're being manipulated or forced to do something that we want. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I don't know. I, if you want to learn about if you really want to learn about somebody, you have to be willing to be patient and like go into their, their environment mm -hmm. and stuff. It's like, you know, I mean, in a respectful way, yeah, they also, they used to have pygmies on display in zoos too. I don't know what a pygmy is. I believe they're like an Aboriginal person. Mm -hmm. What? Yeah. Yeah. They used to go and like take, you know, like Africans and bring them across and put them in cages too. Cause well, think about you it. Know, I mean, they carnivals and stuff. They used to have all sorts of "quote unquote" strange people that they well, would put okay, on display. Okay, fine. I'm thinking back yeah. to like carnival days, but with that TV show that was on HBO, carnival. Yeah, but no, I mean like, oh, look at that little dark man and a little, you know, with a spear. <sighs> you know, big holes in the ears or whatever. You know, uh, stretched lip. Like that's really unusual. And how are, how are our children going to know about cultures in Africa unless we show them a <laughs> pygmy in a cage, you know? Oh, my gosh. It's no different. It's really not. No, it isn't. So um, I didn't know that, though. How long ago was that? How long ago know. did that end? I don't know. Hopefully a long Well, we're time. never prepared, you know, so it doesn't Zoos matter. started out as, um, you know, collections for royalty, kind of, you know, this is to show how much power they had that they would be able to send, you know, this is send boats over to another continent and then kill off a herd so that they could take a baby and bring them home and put them in a cave. It was just purely, I mean, again, like animals as status symbols. Um, and that's how they started out. And then they figured, oh, well, we can open these up and make money mm -hmm. by letting the public come in and peer at them. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it really, zoos started out not as conservation at all, not as educate, you know, not mm -hmm. as, I mean, false conservation or false education. It was, they were just purely greed, you know, like, yeah. I'm just going to flaunt my power and greed because I can. Um, and that makes me feel like, I don't know, I, I don't know how it could make anybody feel like a better person, but... Um, so yeah, the, it's it's a really screwed up history that zoos have, and um, oh, so the whole educational aspect too. It's really amazing. Like when I was um, when I was doing my short little video, I walked and saw a buffalo in a pen, and on the plaque. I mean, it's amazing. Like what what the plaques say if yeah. you actually read them, and the plaque said that this buffalo um, 
can run up to 40 miles per hour, you know, exclamation point. Mm -hmm. And I'm looking at the pen that the buffalo is in. No, and I'm like, not in that 20 feet, he can't. You know, like the buffaloes are, you know, there were three of them in a little, you know, maybe 40 foot by 60 foot pen. And two of them were laying on the ground and... And they're huge. They're, they're gigantic, like yeah. Thousand, they're huge. Yeah. And, you know, so it's kind of, it's just stupid, you know, that essentially you're saying, well, this animal can do this, but actually they can't because of what you've, you know, the, the restrictions that you've placed on them. They can't, they can't even do any of the, you know, cool, quote unquote, cool things that you are saying that like, so you're educating people supposedly about what these animals can do, but you're preventing them from doing it. It's really, really stupid. Um, well, that's why I have, they have to have the plaques to explain what they can do. Yeah. Because they're not books. doing any of it. You should just leave no. the animals in the wild and then just have books. books. Sure. Yeah, you yeah, could have a, a zoo full of books. And yeah. videos. Animals. Just videos and books. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. The other thing, too, that's really interesting is um, the breeding programs that happen at zoos as well, too. Because zoos will work really... You know, they'll... A baby animal, any zoo anywhere. That's big money. Is big money. Mm-hmm. Big, big money. And I don't know. Do you know about the the polar bear in Germany? Canute? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Knut. yes. Yeah. That they were. Um, He's a big, big deal. And, and they were selling. Canute's like, name was so on much everything. Merch. But so they were much. selling other animal flesh right next to. Just like that they serve meat at zoos. Oh, yeah. Totally. But um, you could that's eat. Consistent. Yeah. Other animals while you're so excited about Canute. Yeah. And I believe that the zoo, you know, once Canute got big and just normal as an adult, like every other polar bear in captivity, um, then the the zoo didn't want to keep Canute anymore. But apparently, like, the country went nuts because he'd become this icon. This mascot. Yeah. And it was a a telling moment because many people saw, you know, they, they... saw that transparency about just that this is only about money mm-hmm. and it's only about marketing and merchandising and getting people in to see a baby and selling t-shirts, you know, and little stuffed replicas of this animal. And then once he isn't a baby anymore, then he's disposable. Um, and it's amazing too. And I don't know, um, <clears throat> I don't know where I read this, but it totally makes sense to me because, you know, the zoos are breeding these animals. They sell them back and forth to one another um, and zoos, if they're, they run out of room, I mean, there's, there's, um, zoos will sell animals to circuses. They'll sell them to private dealers. They'll sell them to, um, canned hunting operations, which is like where people can go and have a gun and shoot an exotic animal of their choice for a large sum of money in a restricted space, you know, so the animal can't go you know there's just limited areas for the animal to go so literally it's kind of like here's a pen here's a rhinoceros here's a gun you've given me ten thousand dollars you can kill the rhinoceros and then have you know her head on a plaque um so it it's just i might throw up it's just just horrible horrible stuff and you know so this is what conservation and education is all about but i mean quote unquote because obviously it's not um but i just wish that I wish that more people would um, actually consider zoos. The other thing, too, uh, Como Zoo, which is where I did my video. Um, Como Zoo is in St. Paul, and it's still one of the, mo- the most disgusting places. It's free, which mm-hmm. is why I went there, is because it's 
anybody can walk in there at any time. So I wasn't giving a zoo any money to go. Um, but they have a seal named Sparky the Seal. Did you ever go see Sparky when mm-hmm. you were little? <clears throat> I went and saw Sparky. I don't remember see? Sparky. Mm-hmm. Sparky the Seal, who balanced a ball and you know jumped through hoops and all of that stuff. Um, and I guess they've had like multiple, multiple Sparkies oh, because sure. Sparky dies. Um, <laughs> lots. But yeah, I mean, and then you go and you see where Sparky is, quote, you know, when he or she isn't performing and there's just this little waiting pool, like you would go take your toddler to in mm. any park and just circles and circles and circles and oh, circles. It's little chlorine. I don't know. It's just so sad. There's also a study done as well um, back in the late 90s or mid 90s where um, some people actually like clocked how long individuals stayed at each animal exhibit. And it's under a minute on average. Um, they don't spend much time. Look, You know, they just move from one to the uh, to the next, to the next, to the next. So what are they really learning? And most people don't read the little plaques. <clears throat> and actually when you, when the people who were doing the study observed what people were actually doing, most of them were talking with each other, fussing with their kids, <clears throat> eating something, laughing or teasing, you know, teasing the animal or laughing about the animal. And many, many people talked about, oh, that animal, you know, that guy looks like Uncle Joe, har, 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 you know, I mean, so that's what they're learning, you know, they're not learning anything, or, you know, it's kind of like the animals aren't even, right, they're not even really part of it, (laughs) I mean, I guess they're an excuse, but, so maybe that's something you could say to people, when they're like, oh, well, you know, you have to take your kid to the zoo, because they have to learn about animals, you can say, what, did, what have you learned, actually, from a zoo? Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, exactly. Well, what about even worse than this? What about what about those traveling petting zoos? People love to bring their kids to the petting zoos, and I always say, I don't want to see your petting zoo pictures. I don't want to hear about it. It's gross, you know? Oh. And um, But that's how the kids get to interact with the animals, you guys. I How actually, else will they do that? I know I talked about this in a previous episode, so I don't want to really get into it. I think I did. That I went to one in Minneapolis right before, right after I went vegan. It didn't cost anything, or maybe it was 50 cents or something. They had a kangaroo. What? They had a baby. Well, I don't know if I've if only seen, like, she or she was a baby, and... but there was a, a kangaroo in the same pen, in a small pen with goats, and they had um, rabbits in a, in a smaller pen, and it was middle of summer. It was super hot out. They didn't have any water. They didn't have any shade. And so I said something. I said, like, can you move them into the shade or put something over? And they don't have any water. And so they did. But it's just, like, no concern for the no. animals' well-being at all. No for them little to kids, like, yeah. picking them up. And, like, can, I mean, I did find out. Joyful. There's also uh, disease mm-hmm. concerns. Yeah. Because that's. I did find out, though, that kangaroos are really soft. I feel bad now that... I just think that's so horrible. And what was the event that we were at where there was... The Pet Expo? Yeah, they had a petting zoo at the Pet Expo. And uh, that petting zoo claims that they're a sanctuary as well. Which is, you know, (laughs) another thing that you have to be careful about. Because sanctuaries don't breed. And they don't, you know, do tours for money. Or birthday parties. Or, 
right. you know, anything like that. So, Didn't um, this one even have pony rides or something? Yeah. Yeah. Pony rides are horrific as well. Um, they often that they have them at Como Zoo as well. And I went on those when I was little too. Um, but those, you know, ponies, they're denied water um, for much of the time because they don't want unsightly accidents mm -hmm. to be happening while the kids are. Of course not. You know, I don't want that to be inconvenient. When Chelsea mentioned that, you you look like your heart almost broke. Like, what, were you thinking something? Or you oh, petting just, zoos? Yeah. You just seem really No, bummed. I mean, I guess it's just like, oh, God, there's another problem, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, it's... It's pretty sad. I mean, I and I went to petting zoos when I was little too. I went to a reindeer park. Um, I did that you know, too. Did like storybook forest. Yeah, quarters of you know you get cracked corn and can yeah. go and give the, you know, and it's like. I don't know. I think I would still, obviously, I, I'm. It's just speculation, but I think that I would still. Love animals just as much had I not done that and. I certainly didn't learn anything about reindeer, you know. I think it's kind of like when we had that conversation um, with Matt Ellerbeck and you were talking about your relationship with your snake mm -hmm. and how you know, like you like to believe that there was something there, but there probably wasn't. Right. And I think that that's probably, it's like an egocentric thing for people at petting zoos too. Like, look, he likes me, oh, yeah. Yeah. you know, like. <laughs> Like, they they want to believe that they've formed some kind of special bond with an animal because, you know, the animal butted their thigh or, you know, a goat came up and head-butted them or a deer licked their nose or, you know, I don't know. But it, that doesn't mean anything. But in, in truth, they didn't learn anything because if they would have learned something, they would have learned that animals don't want to be hurt. I mean, if you were to learn anything from the from petting a reindeer, you would have hopefully learned that all animals, even ones that are different and you don't normally get to interact with, want to be treated kindly and not abused yeah. for food or for other I don't know. I guess what, I think that the thing that most often is learned, though, I mean, I don't think that people are that conscientious. I think no. for the most part what they learn is it's okay to treat animals this way. Right. And it's okay to use them for profit, and it's okay to use them for entertainment and to put them on display and force them to do whatever we want to because that's what they're for. That's so sad because I don't think people even think about it. They don't. You know, I don't even think they would. I don't think that even occurs to anyone. Like, I think they just say, oh, I'm going to bring my kid because it's an experience. I did it when I was a kid. You know, my parents mm -hmm. did it when they were kids. It's just, it's something that everybody does, but they don't, they don't think past. It's just like eating meat. You know, they don't think past. And we That's didn't, what we do, you know? We didn't think past it until nope. a couple of years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or for Dallas when she was 15. Yeah. I want to turn that into a drinking game. What? You mentioning how frequently you mention when you went vegan or how old you were when you went vegan. Because it comes up at least once usually in every episode. Oh. Am I bragging? Maybe. Well, I don't know. I think that it's important for people to know that, though, because it gives you credibility. Well, I think it's just, I think it comes up because I don't have the same, um, I think it comes up because this is just the way that I have been for a long time. So I can't remember lots of times what it was like before. Right. And that's why it's a good dynamic And that's for why me it's like, yeah, exactly. 
Yeah. It's not a lot of I'm people not that... trying to I'm not trying to brag. I'm just I still think you should turn it into a drinking game. Yeah. I think everything should be a drinking game. <laughs> I'm already playing. Yeah, <laughs> Elliot's on it. Brag, brag. <laughs> um so well so what else are what other things about zoos, questions or no, you that feel was, like you have ideas about what yeah, you could say? That was really good and that was helpful. I mean, it's just like anything else, you know, when you are doing something people see as unorthodox, you know, you're going to get this pushback from people that are close to you. You know, and you just... And strangers. If everyone. People you don't even yeah. know. So you're not going to feed him. He's not going to eat cheese. He's not, you know, no. Why? Mm. Well, so then you oh worry about gosh. people giving it to him when you're not there and people oh, taking oh, him to totally. the zoo when you're not around. And I don't know. There's just so many things to think about, but... Just do your best. Yikes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good luck with that. Yeah, that was good, though. <laughs> that was helpful. Thanks, guys. You'll yeah. have to keep us posted. And check out that book if you I want will, to yeah. check it out. It's really it's really something. I, I give total props. Oh, it's by Derek Jensen, by you the said way. That. Oh, I did? Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I do want to say, though, and I heard about this from somebody else, that they had a couple of kids, and one... The older daughter, she was young still, but she was a little bit older, and veganism had turned into her own conviction, and she was comfortable explaining it even while she was young, and it was her own conviction. Her parents didn't need to constantly reinforce it. And the younger boy, they did, and he, the school's going to the zoo, and he wanted to go, and they tried explaining why, but they actually ultimately made it his decision, and they went with... I think I remember this. I think this was a Colleen Petrick yeah. thing. Yeah, and, um, you know, you could use it if you're going to a zoo where you don't have to give them money. Learning experience. You could experience. use it as a teachable moment yeah. to, to show why we don't do that and look at how much these animals are suffering. Yeah. But... I don't know. I would. I still wouldn't want to go. I don't know that I would be comfortable with that. But it's so hard. It is so hard. Yeah. I mean, I went two separate times to make <clears throat> to make the video that I did, and I mean, part of it is just hard seeing these animals confined and I don't know, so deprived of anything natural. And the other thing that I think is even harder is all the people around who are completely oblivious mm. and stupid and insensitive and you know I mean I just I don't know do the teenage boys you know spitting at, in the tiger pen or whatever I mean just stupid stuff like that um it's really hard to see that what <laughs> might be interesting if you did take a, a child to the zoo would be to have a laptop or something with you and have videos of what animals actually do in the wild yeah. in their natural habitat and say, mm -hmm. does this look like what they normally yeah. do? Is this what they're normally doing? Yeah. This is not, to, I guess, to reinforce that it's not yeah. normal. That's a good idea. That's smart. Yeah. If you're going to bring them to a zoo. Yeah, I don't know. Oof. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I would discourage it, but, you know, if the kid is insisting and they're old enough to, to kind of get the difference, I would... I'd consider bringing somebody to point out the problems, but yeah. Uh, well, should we do our uh, product review? Sure. Product review, product review. We're gonna do a product review. Yeah. 
<laughs> so I um on the topic of zoos and animals in their natural habitats and how do we actually learn about animals that I don't know being some I love animals and I want to learn about them and I think they're fascinating and um so but I'm you know I recognize that zoos are not the way to go about learning about them um so I love nature shows and you know I I mean I I do get really sad when I see you know lionesses taking down a gazelle or something that makes me really sad or you know an orca tossing a seal around in the air uh it's hard to watch that because I'm sensitive um but oh funny story little story (laughs) when I was little like really little I always loved animals and I had seen a nature show with my mom about wildebeest do you know about wildebeest? No, I don't know anything. Oh about god, them. they're awesome. They're big. Do you know about wildebeest, you guys? A little bit. How would you describe them? I just saw Lion King on Broadway. Oh. So I know a little bit about wildebeest. They're Is there wildebeest and they're fast and kind of shaggy and, and they make a little bit like they're not really graceful looking or anything. They're kind of right. gangly and. Like, are they like hyenas kind they of? They look like you... a pig and a horse mixed together. Yeah, oh, that's a good way. Yeah, yeah, they kind of do. They're kind of like buffalo-ish, antelope-ish. I don't know. They they go in herds, and <laughs> they're that in the Google machine. Yeah. <laughs> so wildebeest. I saw them in a lion <clears throat> took down a wildebeest, and you know there's like herds running and there's franticness and all of this, and I I just was on my mom for weeks after then that I really, really wanted to adopt a herd of wildebeest <gasps> and keep them in the garage. <laughs> when she asked me where would they be? In the garage and they could graze in the yard and I'd take them for walks around the lake. <laughs> I was Aww. like seven, You totally would have too. Seven or eight. Kid. And because I just couldn't stand the thought of all these wildebeests like never having a moment's rest or peace because they just are worried about lions killing them all the time. <laughs> Even though like I get that the world works the the way it does, and that's part of nature now. But uh. so, could somebody argue then that prey animals are better off in zoos because they're not being eaten? No, no, I don't think so. I mean, because okay. but you know that was my seven year old solution to that problem. Mm-hmm. Um, just like my mom must have had a large garage. <laughs> it fit two cars. Yeah. So you could so it fit a herd easily, right? <laughs> yeah, and and my seven year old spatial, capacity, you know, like I don't know. So anyway, um, I like nature shows and always have, even though they break my heart sometimes. But um, the BBC, which is what British Broadcasting mm-hmm. something corporation company mm-hmm. corporation corporation the corporation <laughs> um, the BBC has different series of. Um, nature shows i guess and david attenborough is the guy who narrates them and like hosts them do you guys know david attenborough yes he's awesome that's guy, a good reason to watch it right I there i love him who's the guy who did planet earth david attenborough okay, that's what i thought yep so the bbc has a bunch of different series and david attenborough is great and he goes all over the world to you know sit quietly for hours on end until 
an anteater comes up in the night and he can <laughs> whisper about the anteater. You know? um, but so some of the series that I would recommend to te- you know, to learn about animals in their natural habitats and, um, you know, for kids to watch as well are the Blue Planet series. I particularly love it's all ocean stuff and they have uh, one episode that's all about deep sea creatures. Those like so cool. Deep, deep, deep sea creatures. Um, and like these species you've never even fathomed could exist. I really like some of the crazy the, ones. The <clears throat> octopus with the dumbo ears. The yeah. The thing white is so cute. Octopus with these little like globby things that look like ears. Yeah. Oh, adorable. <clears throat> and the tentacles were kind of like swirly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the um, weird lights. Yeah, different animals that have like almost like, like neon LED. chasing. Yeah, LED like Vegas fish or something. Yeah. Um, How does that work? How I do don't do know. That? I'm not a marine biologist. But Elliot, are you? A marine let's get biologist? a marine biologist up in here. Be. Oh, not he anymore. He used to be. I retired. He retired and forgot now everything. Podcasting. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm sure podcasting is way more lucrative. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the Blue Planet series is awesome, and actually on that series some of the footage that they found was like it the crews that were doing the blue planet explorations found like they discovered species in their explorations and scientists were so excited to get their hands on the footage because they'd never seen these animals before so it was pretty cool um but more importantly they left the species where uh, they were yeah they left them where they were so scientists weren't excited to get their hands on the animals just the footage right right are they animals are they yeah I mean, I know they're not they're minerals not or vegetables, but... They're animals. Are they... They're like fish. But fish are or animals. aquatic. They're not mammals, probably. That's what I mean. <clears throat> yeah, that's where you're going with it. But the BBC does have a series called The Life of Mammals, which is really cool as well. So, um... Where might you find these? On the internet? On the internet. On demand? The library? I know, um, like, Ooh, the Blue the Planet series is on Netflix streaming. Oh, oh, it is? Mm-hmm. Oh, I'll have to get that. That's yes, cool. I want to watch that. Um, there's also The Life of Birds. I mean, the, you learn, you can watch these things over and over again, like 10 times and still learn something new, I swear, because they're so packed full of information. But the thing that really struck me about The Life of Birds was the portion on pelicans, because it made me so, so sad. And, you know, it's kind of, it gives you a chance to reflect on like what, I mean, Killing animals for no reason is really, really sad. I, and I know that different species have evolved in certain ways because that's what works for their species as a whole. <clears throat> but just being somebody who's really sensitive to individuals, it's hard. But pelicans lay multiple eggs. And when the babies hatch, they vie for space in the nest as they get bigger. And so the strongest pelican pushes siblings out of the nest and once the babies are out of the nest, the parents don't acknowledge them anymore. And so they essentially fall down. They can't take care of themselves. And they're just laying under the nest crying until mm. they starve. So, Weird. yeah, maybe we need to go, like, go away and scoop up all the baby pelicans that have <gasps> been abandoned. I have a garage. You have a garage. <laughs> I swear. Yeah. Because I just... You could probably find more like pelicans crying in your garage than crying. a wildebeest. Yes, it's true. Oh, my God. I would... It was so hard to watch that. And, you know, and I know, like, the That's parents, they have limited resources, and they want the one that has the, the strongest one or the one that has the most chance of surviving to survive. And I get that, but 
still. So even animals... I just animals... can't relate to the idea of like letting a baby cry and uh, like lay on the ground right but feet from you and ignore them. But popularity and jockiness are even supported in the animal kingdom. Yeah. Cool. I think people know what to expect with nature shows. With though. nature shows. I mean, a lot of it is super cool. Life in the undergrowth is amazing, which is all about bugs. Neat. And I'm afraid of scary movies, which Ryan knows. I can't watch scary movies. You like scary movies, though. Don't Sometimes. You? Elliot loves them. Love he does. Scary movies. I do not watch. I have to be in the mood for ever. it. Well, Elliot, you should watch Life in the Undergrowth because it is horrific. Cool. Really? It's horrific. I mean, when you look at, if you think about, I don't know, just how brutal life can be. What's happening on the tiniest, littlest scale all over the world, all over the time, like all the time, is insanity. Will make there's you like feel bugs. better about your life. <laughs> God, there's bugs that like create pheromones that trick other bugs into coming up and thinking that they're going to get laid or something or whatever. <gasps> I don't know. Like they think, Ooh, this sounds good to me. And then they show up and then some, you know, the bug that like created all these pheromones to lure in the others will like stick a spike through their head. Ah! And then, yeah. Like a, a spike of their body through their head. And then they're, you know, oh! wiggling around and Ooh. get eaten. Yeah. I know. Elliot's like, awesome. Yeah. So but <laughs> and this is all you know. These are tiny bugs, but they're they cameras that they use like have them be gigantic yeah. on your screen. <gasps> so you get to see the spiders with all the eyes everywhere, and you what? know all the furriness and. What's this called? Life in the undergrowth. Right. It's pretty cool. Although I wanted to buy it, and I haven't been able to figure out where to buy it because of the like DVR, DV, like the different kinds of codes of DVDs. But hmm. I did see it once. And I want to see it again, even though it scares me and grosses me out. <laughs> but I want to know more about bugs, because they're important. So, green challenge? Anyway, go check those out, and let's do the green challenge. Let's do it. It's time for the green challenge. Green challenge. Green challenge. There's no gloves. There's no swords. No white suits. Uh-uh. It's just green challenge. You're just doing the earth a solid. So, I thought it was really cool that, uh, that Chelsea got Ryan... To do something green. She did. It was a trade-off. Talk about that. Yeah, Chelsea, talk about it. Well, a long, long time ago, Ryan was... Was it when you were vegan or was it pre-vegan? I think it was pre-vegan and then, like, it was really pre-vegan, like, right before I went. Okay, so Ryan never used to really care about the earth. We'll true just, story. We'll just say that. She was just kind of... You know, she wanted what she wanted. She was right. just going to, you know, do stuff. And I remember we used to have arguments about driving, like, Hummers. Remember this big argument we had about a Hummer, and you thought that everyone should just be able to drive one if they wanted to, and sure. it was no big deal. And I don't remember that specifically, but it I, was pretty funny. I don't discount that I probably said that. So she never recycled. And never. I remember coming over here to her apartment, and there's recycling outside. They do recycling here. And it's not, it's even, what is it called? Uh... Mixed stream. Commingled. Yeah, commingled. Or it's not. Multi-stream. Yes. So I don't even have to sort it. Right. It couldn't be easier. It could not possibly be easier unless someone came up here and brought it downstairs for you. But, so I heckled her pretty relentlessly about it because I was always, while not vegan, I was an environmentalist. So, But anyway, not really because you weren't vegan. Right, right, exactly, right? Yeah. So now Ryan recycles and I'm vegan. Yes. So it all worked out. 
That's pretty it awesome. Was my, it was my gift to her. I think after, because you went vegetarian first. I think after you went vegetarian, then I decided to start recycling. Do you care about the earth now? Or just not really still, but you'll just recycle because it's the right thing to do? I just recycle because it's the right thing to do. I like it. Okay. I mean, I don't not care about the earth. I think it's shitty what people do to her, but... It's not your big thing. It's not, I mean, you got other I don't things. care about animals either. I just don't think people should... Like, I like Kim Susiru, and I like Snorri and Smushface, and I like your Warren, and I like your Warren. I have two cats now. You do? You have mm-hmm. a cat named Warren? Yeah. Oh. My dog's well, name Thomas is Warren. Well, Thomas Tupper. I call him yeah. Thomas Tupper. We named him Warren after Empire Records. Have you seen that movie? No. Yeah. Not after my uncle. Warren. Warren Beatty. Oh, oh. I thought his yeah. name was Warren. Oh, okay. His name's not, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So she, it was a trade-off. She went vegetarian and eventually vegan, and then I decided to recycle. I figured it was the least I could do. We're a good influence on each other. Mm-hmm. Particularly cool. when now, we're not drinking. Now, not so much <laughs> in our early 20s. No. But blonde Ambition Tour. The Blonde Ambition Tour. We were not a good influence <laughs> on each other. Yeah. Huh. Well, so for the Green Challenge, it has to do with recycling. And recycling plastic, in particular. Um, so... I realized in the last year or so that it is actually possible to recycle a lot more plastic than I thought it was before. So in Whole Foods, I I checked this out on the website for Preserve Plastics. So Preserve, they make toothbrushes, and now they've started making like plastic Tupperware-ish kind of things, but Tupperware is a brand, but it's like Kleenex, you know, it's a brand, but everybody calls it whatever to... Facial plastic tissue containers. Containers. Yeah. Plastic containers. Reusable containers. Reusable storage containers for food. Yes. There we go. Thank you. Thank you, Ryan. <laughs> um, I'm glad I could help. <laughs> so in every Whole Foods and many, many natural foods co-ops, Preserve, the brand, has uh, receptacles for any number five plastic. And number five plastics are like prescription bottle pills. Um, lots of times like tubs like hummus or margarine might come in food tubs those would be number five. Oh, i thought that plastics. stuff was just regular recyclable it's not uh so it depends bad. on your it depends on your your particular county and who's collecting yeah. for you it's not in mine in mine we can only recycle things that have necks on them really so like number one and two bottles so like shampoo bottles or Jeez. i don't know like two liter things or that hmm. sort of deal um, so if it has a neck on it, I can recycle it. But if it, if it's just open like a tub, <clears throat> I wouldn't be able to. So anyway, Whole Foods and lots of co-ops, but, um, they take a lot of plastics. So now like the, the tops of like coffee to go or tea mm, to go, mm-hmm. um, things like if you go to the, I don't know, like the deli and the co-op and they give you something in a plastic container, I can recycle those now. Yep. So it's it's good to recycle as much plastic. I mean, reducing pl- you know plastic consumption yeah. is better, but when you don't, rather than throwing it in the trash, bringing it to the store and recycling it is better than throwing it in the trash. I just read about a family, speaking of recycling plastic, that only creates one like mason jar, like the large size, of waste per year. What? That's all, that's all the garbage that this family creates. They bring glass containers to the grocery store to get 
Well, they eat meat, so to put their meat in and their grain, like anything they buy, they put it in one of these containers. They reuse everything. They just, they don't buy things that come in packaging that's wasteful. They just don't buy it. They do everything on their own. It's amazing. Yeah. Hmm. Can you We're, imagine one little... I mean, there's also that whole movement about um, keeping the trash that you generate with you, carrying it around to get a sense of how much trash you generate. You? I used to, when I was a server, I used to have a guy come in and he would um, order a sandwich and he'd say, no toothpicks. Like, you know, they have stick mm -hmm. toothpicks in the sandwiches yeah, to keep them together. it doesn't do anything anyway, really. Because, you know, and I always thought, oh, I should start asking for no toothpicks, but I don't remember. Maybe that'll be a green challenge later. Um, you did the <laughs> compact once, didn't you? Mm-hmm. You want to talk about that? What do you mean the compact? It's just, uh, it was a thing where you don't buy anything new for a year. So it was kind of fun. You buy, you can buy consignment, you know, you can go to, I don't know, like in my county, you can go and buy or get for free paint that people just donated that mm -hmm. they've, they're done with. You can just go get that for your home improvement stuff. You can go buy antiques, obviously, but you can't, you know, you just don't buy anything new except... I think toiletries and food, obviously. That was really cool. Save a lot of money that way. Yeah. That's neat. Huh? I want to do that. I imagine that would be very unlikely. <laughs> I can't really see me doing that. Well, I would love to, though. You could do it. Are we ready for shout-outs? I think we are. Shout-out! Shout out! I have um, one that is related to the Worldwide Vegan Bake Sale. Cool. So, uh, Gary Lowenthal yep. says, shout out to all the vegan bakers. And he also wanted us to mention the there's a Worldwide Vegan Bake Sale t-shirt design contest. Awesome. Hmm. So, um, and the deadline for that is February 19th to submit your designs. And the website is www.veganbakesale.org. And you can find out about the t-shirt contest there cool so you can design a t-shirt for the vegan bake sale it's pretty awesome that is awesome and i think gary like there's is awesome two, there's two winners okay yep great cool you have a shout out i have a shout out yeah i'd like to shout out to my little baby sister she <gasps> yay has been vegetarian for several years and she picked me up from work the other day and looks over at me and says well, Chelsea, and I'm like, what? Oh my gosh, it sounds serious. And she said, I've decided I'm going to go vegan. Yay! Yay! Yay, Caitlin. So it's pretty awesome and I'm excited. That is great. Mm -hmm. And this is why it's fun to be vegan because years later now, you're vegan, your sister's vegan. Sometimes you can turn people. And consider the influence. It's fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's neat when you... See that happen. Sometimes just when you're getting really, really super discouraged by all the jerk holes in your life, then something really cool happens like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. Moe's yeah. deaf. Snoreen, you're falling asleep. Do you have a shout out? Uh, no. No, I do not. Elliot? No. I want to shout out to Chad Gallagher and John Corbett. And that's all I want to say about that. Okay. I don't have anything in particular to say except... What up? Actually, I do have a shout-out. Okay. I want to shout-out to my boyfriend because he did something incredibly admirable the other week, and he told me about it, um, like, 
weeks later, he said that on one of the really cold days when it was like 12 degrees outside, there was a little dog, like a little chihuahua, in a Jeep with its windows open. What? <gasps> in that, and you know, like they, they don't have a lot of hair to begin with. And this, I mean, the, the window was open. Like this dog could have jumped out. This oh. dog could have, you know, frozen to death, whatever. And um, he sat there for, I think, 10 minutes waiting for the owner. And then he was like, you know, I, I can't do anything about this and I gotta go. And so what he did is he wrote something on this envelope that he had in his car, like, you should be ashamed of yourself. I can't believe that you do something like this. I pet your dog and, you know, I, I, um, I didn't have anything to keep it warm, but if I did, I would have given it to it. And blah, 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 I left it in the car. And he, like, pet the dog and the dog was like, you know, like, I, I thought of Bella when... Because she, she gets really, really cold because her tummy's bare. Mm -hmm. I think that's what really gets cold on her. And she doesn't have a lot of hair anyway. And you don't have to groom those kinds of dogs. So it was really, really a really good thing that um, he did that. And he, he was like, I wanted to tell you because I thought you'd be proud of me. And I was like, oh. <laughs> Should have called the police. Yeah, oh my gosh. Yeah. I, yeah, well, what do you do in that situation? Yeah, call the police? Yeah. It was well, funny. That happened to me the other day. I mentioned those two Dallas. There was a dog in the car. The windows weren't open, and it wasn't as cold as it's been the last couple days, but it was definitely cold out, and this car was parked outside of a workout place where they would were going to be inside for at least an hour. And I'm like, I said something that I to somebody else about it, and they're like, well, I don't really think that's a big deal. My dog likes to ride in the car, and I, w I, I was so shocked that this person who was vegan said, no big deal, leaving your dog in the car for an hour well, in I think the cold. it depends on the type. To be fair, I think it depends on the type of dog, though. Because a lot of these dogs might be native to, you know... They're, Doesn't they're, matter. They're, you wouldn't leave a kid in the no, car. Dogs are more vulnerable than kids. No, mm -hmm. when I adopted and when I ran a dog rescue, um, we had them sign a contract. You never leave your dog in the car, tied up outside a store, mm -hmm. um, you know, or anywhere in public alone. Because they're vulnerable, you know, they're vulnerable individuals, just like you wouldn't leave, mm. you wouldn't leave an infant who couldn't, you know, defend themselves or scream out, let somebody know that they're yeah, in it's trouble. Not even, the other thing too, it's not it even about whether they are going to survive in the vehicle. Yeah. Although, you know, if the windows were rolled up, it's just like, it's the same thing as in the summertime when the temperatures go really hot, when you collapse, um, I don't know, the, the temperatures also can drop inside of a car and actually have it create like a freezer environment. So mm -hmm. um, keeping a dog in the car with the windows closed in very cold temperatures is just as dangerous as keeping them out when it's very, very hot, um, which a lot of people don't know. But yeah, it's um, in terms of, you know, and the other thing too, like there, people do kidnap animals oh, yeah. to take and sell for, sure. for laboratories and whatnot. So um, that's another reason, like, you're responsible for this individual's life and well-being, and you don't just leave them vulnerable. Dallas may argue with me on this. I'm not saying if you're going somewhere with your dog, if you're taking your dog to a dog park or something, and you stop and get gas, and you need to run in to use the bathroom or something really quick. I'm not, and you may argue with me on that, but I'm not necessarily talking about don't leave your car, dog in a car for two minutes. But, you know, if you absolutely have to, but... You would probably disagree with me on that. I do disagree. Mm -hmm. I think, I mean, unless, if it's an emergency situation, like there is no other alternative. I wasn't planning, but you do not plan to bring your dog somewhere and leave them. Mm -hmm. That's just not, that's not responsible. Right. Um, but, and you know, 
you wouldn't leave your kid in the car for two minutes to run into the bathroom. Yeah. You wouldn't leave an infant in the car. Yeah. We used to get left the in the car all the time when we were kids. <laughs> <laughs> Not when we were babies, you know, but when we were like old enough, my mom, she, we, she'd run in and grab some groceries and leave us in the car. But you have to con- treat a, a dog like an infant. I, yeah. I mean, but did she I see what know, you're saying, like, though. did she talk to you about what to have, what you should do if sure. a stranger came up or whatever? That's the other thing, too, is that, um, you know, I, I used to just have some notes with me and I'd just clipped collars and say, I could have stolen your dog and sold him to a lab <laughs> and then left, you know, like just to give, like remind people, Oh, someone can walk away with your animal. Mm-hmm. Like if there, and most of them, you know, that are left out there, they're friendly and yeah, would walk away with you. You yeah, know, people are pretty just... careless with their, so, um, yeah, but that was something that, when we ran a dog rescue, any anybody who adopted needed to... You, they can't be in the yard alone, unsupervised. They can't be tied up outside even the store. Even with, with a fence? Um, yeah, even with a fence, no. Hmm. Um, that doesn't... People can open fences. And actually, I mean, with mine, we check out the kitchen window to make sure that both of our gates are actually closed because neighbor kids run through. Um we used to have a padlock on each of the gates, but it was just too much a pain in the ass every time we wanted to go back and forth. But, um, yeah, we stand in the doorway and watch them. Hmm. I mean, if something were to, I mean, especially like we've got a little dog and an owl could swoop down. I mean, there's a lot of different things. I mean, if an owl did swoop down, I don't know that I would, hopefully I would be able to run out there and do something before they took off with him. But like my friend's rabbit was taken off by an owl because he was just left in the yard. Um, so yeah, it's just never a good idea. They're vulnerable to teasing and tormenting and terrorizing and being taken away and hurt and, you know, it's your job to look out for them. So yeah, yeah, I don't think, and it's actually against the law in Minneapolis to tie your animal up outside a store. So I'm constantly like complaining to stores saying it's against the law. You can't have people do this. You have to make an announcement and they rarely do, but. So, yeah, I mean, again, it's just the, it's about those, um, slowly changing what is socially acceptable over time. And I think that speaking up is really important because it sends a message like, Hey, this isn't okay. And the more people who object to it, maybe more people will question, well, why do they have a problem with it? Maybe it isn't okay. Exactly. Yeah. I think it's about education because like I learn, you learn something new every day. Like I would never, ever thought about it like that. Yeah. I mean, people used to, it used to be totally acceptable for people to beat their kids. (laughs) <laughs> yeah seriously and their wives for that matter yeah mm-hmm. like that's rule just what thumb. happens yeah the term rule of thumb came from that you couldn't beat your spouse with anything larger than the size the, of your thumb your thumb what yeah it's true that's where rule of thumb comes from love it it's just it's awesome Lesson and we still use that place. phrase not anymore <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i think again it's just we gotta continue to point out when things are wrong and you know, even if people, <clears throat> even if people don't necessarily agree that it's wrong, maybe they just don't want to go through the hassle of being called out, you know, or publicly embarrassed. So, yeah, I hope I like it. <laughs> oh, I want to shout out to one more person. I want to shout out to Nicole, who I met yesterday. And what was her her partner's name? Andrew. Yeah. Boy, husband. Andrew. Andrew husband. and Nicole. Um, I met them yesterday, and you already knew them. Mm-hmm. And they're awesome. Yeah, I know. I had a wonderful conversation with them. Yeah. They are so, awesome. So I'm shouting out to them. Hey, guys. What up? All right. I think we have run this episode to its 
conclusion. I think you're right. It's it's run its course. Yeah. So it's time to say peace out. Au revoir. Bye bye. Bye.